Welcome to 84 Ounces to Freedom. My name is Mr. Cole and I am flying solo on episode 16. Um, this episode we're going to be talking a lot about Flavere. If you haven't heard of Flavere, it is a, a whiskey company, but not just that. They also have, you know, bourbon, gin, tequila, all your spirits. And you know, my dad got me this gift for my birthday and it's awesome. Basically with a subscription to Flavere, every three months you get a full-sized bottle of your choice, which is a fifth, and a themed sample pack. For my first delivery, I chose a bottle of Penelope Four Grain Straight Bourbon Whiskey and a three aisle sample pack, three vial sample pack called Craft Side of Bourbon. The vials are a little over one and a half ounces and they are labeled A, B, and C so you can do a blind taste test. Uh, there is a sticker with a sample's name that corresponds to the letter so you can uh, taste them blind and then find out afterwards you know what it was and uh, I'm not doing that today uh, <clears throat> so I put the labels on so I know what they are. Uh, the first vial I will be drinking is vial A which is Corval spelled K-O-R-V-A-L which is a single barrel bourbon. There's a the these vials come in a cool little round container that um, has a concrete uh, coaster that my drink is sitting on with it that says Flavere. And underneath that are all the cards and stuff. And the cards for each whiskey has a flavor profile on it, listing it from most to least. So for Corval, it says charred, dried fruit, spicy, mango, gently sweet, tobacco, vanilla, apricot, and caramel in big letters. Uh, so I'm gonna open the vial and pour it over some ice here. Whoops, wrong one. Corval, here we go. So I'll say it smells very nice. Let's see how it tastes here. Oh, that's very smooth. I kind of get the caramel flavor there in the back. Not so much the fruit flavors and stuff they're talking about, but it is a little spicy and charry. This is a good whiskey. I would buy this. So for the first story we're going to talk about today, this first section um, is about a gentleman that is pure metal, a tattoo artist, and he's an artist that paints dark subject matter in blood. His name is Vincent Castigula, and you know he's cool because he was born on April 8th, 1982, the same day I was born in 1973. I learned about him the way I learn about most subjects by listening to the post-mortem horror movie podcast show with Dom and JD. They reviewed a documentary called Bloodlines, The Art of Vincent Castiglia, and I believe that you can still stream that on the Tubi. It's great and you should watch it. Thanks, Dom and JD. Um, you would think this would bother me if you remember the last episode uh, when we talked about the dude that built his uncle's skeleton on his guitar. Uh, when I saw him play it, it just didn't sit right with me. I was disturbed. And you know, you have to strum inside the rib cage, which restricts your picking technique. And I think that's 
part of what, not so much restrictive picking technique, but it just kind of grossed me out. And most things don't do that because, you know, I'm a hardcore metal dude and love horror films, but that bothered me. Well, strangely enough, Vincent Castiglia's art didn't bother me at all by the fact that he's painting in blood. He actually blew me away. His artwork is amazing in its monochromatic bloodiness, you know. He's done some really cool stuff, pieces for really cool people. And you can buy his stuff on his website. I'll post a link on the Facebook group. Uh, but you know, t-shirts were out of stock the last time I checked in his website. So let me know when you get those bad boys back in stock, Vincent, because I want a fucking t-shirt. Uh, all my friends know that I love Slayer. Vincent painted a guitar for Gary Holt. Uh, and where did the blood come from? Well, 16 vials from Gary Holt himself, of course. That's metal, dude. <clears throat> it's a completely functional guitar that is also a piece of art entitled Lucifer. He also painted Slay Slayer's farewell, farewell Tour poster. I don't know why I can't talk. Must be Corval getting to me already. Uh, Greg Allman purchased Vincent's 2006 painting Gravity in, in uh, 2009. Vincent is the first artist to be invited to have an exhibit in H.R. Geiger's studio in Switzerland. And I'm going to get in trouble here because I've always pronounced it Geiger, but in the documentary, everyone pronounced it Giger. Uh, so I guess I had it wrong. And if you don't know who H.R. Giger is, he's that guy that did the, all the alien art with humans and machines. Um, his art is airbrushed biomechanical nightmares. Um, awesome stuff, you gotta check it out. H.R. Geiger's art was used on the cover of Triptychon's album, Eparisteria Daimones, nailed it. And Vincent Castiglia did some awesome painting did an awesome painting of the band on the inside cover uh by this album number one it's the easiest way to get art from both of these guys in the same place for a great price and number two i started listening to the album this this album's pure metal this is one of my favorite bands now i listen to it all the time so you got three great reasons to uh buy a physical cd don't just download it you know he did uh, box artwork for the movies Savage Country and Corpsey by Fangoria. I'm pretty sure I watched Savage Company, Country on the Prime. And uh, I don't remember it being a good movie, but uh, I drink, so who knows. Um, I haven't been able to find Corpsey yet. It looks almost kind of like a trauma-ish film, but I uh, can't say for sure until I watch it. Margaret Cho wanted a painting done in her menstrual blood, but Vincent advised her that it was the wrong consistency. He brought in the RN that he works with and he used her regular blood. Uh, who knew that Margaret Cho was so metal? I mean, you see her in this documentary. It's, it's kind of amazing. She's hardcore. And uh, you wouldn't think that. Um, as a surprise present, uh, 30 people who were close friends to a guy donated their blood to have a picture painted for him by Vincent Castiglia. Uh, they even got uh, blood donated from this guy's dog for the piece, which is kind of a trip. <clears throat> there is also an alcoholic drink in honor of Vincent, and it's called the Vincent. It contains bullet bourbon, 
one of my favorites. Campari blood orange infused vermouth garnished with a slice of blood orange. Unfortunately, Vincent doesn't drink, but that's okay, buddy. I got you covered. Moving on to the second Flavair vial. Um, did you know that when you have a Flavair membership, you have exclusive access to rare and private bottlings? There are distillers out there that are producing bottles that are only available with a Flavair membership. <clears throat> now here's some interesting things about vial B. This whiskey is called Few, and it's a bourbon whiskey, 46.5%. And um, its flavor profiles are toffee, cinnamon, tangy, woody, sweet, malty, spicy, clove and caramel and guess what i can't tell you what i think about it because breaking news trying to get up here which i didn't even tell you i'm in our shop on 3855 main street kelseyville upstairs on the second floor you know at the haunted part of the building i uh dropped the cool little case actually i grabbed it upside down and it's got that concrete um coaster on it and the weight pulled the bottom and all three vials out, it fell on the ground and the second vial is shattered. So I think on my next order, I'll order few as my bottle, uh, just out of honor for its death. So in this segment on 84 ounces to freedom, I cover medical serial killers. Because <clears throat> you know, my first name's not Mike, so I'm not qualified to do full-on serial killers or true crime. So this is what we do here. You know, I feel that some of the worst serial killers are medical serial killers. Um, they take an oath to do no harm, and yet when we are at our most vulnerable, they break that oath, and many of them get away with it for a long time because, let's face it, people die. And uh, it's an easy way to hide a crime. This type of a serial killer is the most terrifying to me. Today I'm covering Colin Norris. He was born in Glasgow, Scotland in 1976. He had a happy childhood and he was a Boy Scout. Hey, me too. He loved drama and helped people with learning disabilities. He was said to be polite and well-behaved. What went wrong? His parents separated in 1983. Colin stayed with his mother, but his grades declined to the point that he dropped out at the age of 16. He took a course to become a traveling agent. <clears throat> his relationship with his father declined just like his grades and then fell apart when he did some weird shit at a funeral. Colin Norris was caught trying to steal money from the purses of his female relatives. Disgusted, Colin's father disowned him. After working as a travel agent for six years, he decided to train as a nurse. He found the travel agent business to be, you know, kind of boring. As Colin attended nursing school, he let it be known very openly that he was gay. He was said to be very vain and he had a very high opinion of his abilities. Uh, he hated taking instruction from anyone, clashed with all forms of authority, and he acted like he always knew better than anyone else. It seemed a strange 
vocation to choose for someone with this type of attitude. Colin's training started moving to on-hands training in 1999. He worked in two different hospitals and he wasn't shy about letting everyone know that he hated working with the elderly. His attendance for work was poor at this time. With his shitty attitude and even worse attendance, he still got his nursing diploma. Norse hated being on the bottom of the totem pole and was very vocal about it in his new nursing job. He hated doing menial tasks. He had a reputation for being difficult and he was ready to challenge any authority. He often refused to help patients and if they, challenged, if they challenged him, he would tell them to rot in hell. He clearly hated his job, but he wouldn't walk away because he had worked so hard for his diploma. It would be his patience that left before he ever would. <clears throat> in 2001, 90-year-old Vera Wilby was recovering well from a hip surgery when she suddenly took a turn for the worse. Doctors were able to save her, but they didn't understand what happened. Later, they learned that someone had administered a fatal dose of morphine. A month later, Doris Ludlam, who was 80 years old, was admitted into the same ward with the same ailment, a broken hip. She was under Colin Norris's care. She was found in a comatose state and died two days later. The cause of death was term determined to be a massive dose of diamorphine and a shot of insulin. Nora was not in attendance when Doris Lidlum was found, but he found his next victim and raised the alarm while he was still on shift. Bridget Bjork, 88 years old, had suffered a stroke. Norris reported that he found her unconscious. She died the following day of extremely low blood sugar levels. Both women had died in the same hospital with Colin Norris being on shift as a coincidence. Norris was in attendance for his third victim, but it was, his second, it was at his second job. Irene Crooks, age 79, also had a broken hip as well as breathing difficulties. She died after lapsing into a hypoglycemic coma. 86-year-old Ethel Hall was recovering, yet again, from a hip surgery. She was recovering well, and a colleague of Collins was shocked when he said he was worried about her. He also mentioned that someone always dies when he works night, nights. Ethel Hall was struggling for breath six days later. <clears throat> her blood sugar was low, and her insulin was extremely high. Her condition was not something that could occur naturally, and the hospital finally called the authorities. Ethel, Ethel Hall passed away soon after, and police began to interrogate hospital staff. Norris quickly fell under their suspicion due to his strange comments and the fact that he, that he administered care to all of these victims. He insisted that he was innocent and claimed that he just had bad luck. It took two years to build a case and charge him with murder. In 2005, he was charged with four counts of murder and one count of attempted murder. He was convicted on all charges and sentenced to life in prison 
with a possibility of parole after 30 years. It is said that, as Norris was gay, he found it repulsive to take care of elderly women. The job he hated most was bathing these women who were suffering from incontinence. All of his victims were elderly women, and I don't think it was because he was gay. Every, every gay person has a mother. I think uh, he was just a fuck. Okay, you guys. <clears throat> so, I didn't break the third vial here, I'm so thankful to say. So, did you know with a Flaver membership, you get tailored recommendations that follow your taste? A community that comments and rates, and tons of educational content to expand your knowledge. So third vial here, I didn't break this one, thankfully, is vial C, Journeyman Featherbone Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, flavor profiles here on our little card are pepper, fruit, citrus, wheat, caramel, tobacco, sweet vanilla, corn, and spicy. There's like an angry face and a pepper under spicy, so it smells spicy. I'm just pouring it over ice if you're wondering. You can probably hear that. Let's see. Let's see how it is here. Oh, good. I like that. It's very mild up front, but the aftertaste is spicy. Kind of cool. I would... <clears throat> Again, I would buy this whiskey. Very nice. So this segment is too extreme for the mainstream. This is a new segment that I've been wanting to add for a long time. Uh, you know I love horror movies. And I want to take a little time to recommend some of the most extreme horror to be found. And hopefully you'll have something to watch that you've never seen before, if you're like me, and I think most of you that listen are. I have to give credit where credit is due. I would not have found out about this director, and that's right. Uh, this is a series of films by the same director. Uh, if I didn't start listening to post-mortem show horror movie podcast with Dom and JD, not post-mortem with Mick fucking Garris, get that straight. The director was, this director was raised as a Satanist by Satanist parents. And his name is Lucifer Valentine. Lucifer Valentine created his own genre called Vomit Gore, and he is mostly known for the Vomit Gore trilogy. Um, I've, heard, I've heard Dom and JD talking about this guy um, all over the time of their 280-plus episodes. Yes, I'm finally caught up. I listened to, them, listened to them backwards from newest to oldest and listened to episode one the other day, and I think... I think Lucifer Valentine was even mentioned in episode one all the way up to current day. So it definitely had a big impact on those guys and uh, me too. But after hearing them talk about him so much, um, I felt I had to check it out, even though I am a sympathetic vomiter. If someone vomits around me, I'm likely to do it myself. Uh, friends of mine think it's funny and have made me vomit in the past. Shout out to Seth Burns. And I hate it. 
Why would I want to watch vomit gore? The answer is easy. I love horror, and to me, vomiting is horrific. I fucking hate it. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but there is extreme practical gore in these movies. It's not just chicks puking onto each other. It's more than that. Every, scene, every film seems to escalate to more lofty gore effects, and there's no computer graphic bullshit in these movies. All practical. There is nudity, I think female, always, and always vomiting. A lot of vomiting. I've found myself having to turn away and gag upon the first watching of all of these movies, but after watching for the second time and more, I found that I was able to get through, I mean, you could say not the movie, but I was able to get through the experience without turning red and gagging. Uh, there's horrible abuse to women on these films, but do yourself a favor and watch the behind the scenes. They had fun making these movies, and uh, always have a safe word and get in case it gets too real. Um, they sign releases saying that they they haven't been hurt and and that they're willing to do what they're doing, and that of course they're over eighteen. And uh, you also need to watch the director's explanation. These films are art, and there is not a consistent timeline or explanation of what you're seeing. This isn't beginning, middle, end. This is, um, oh, geez. What's he call it? A constellation of hell is what these movies are. Uh, you have to experience these films, and then after listening to Lucifer or Valentine explain what you just saw, you realize, oh, fuck, I gotta watch it again and again. So, the first film is Slaughtered Vomit, Slaughtered Vomit Dolls then regurgitated sacrifice, and finally, slow torture puke chamber. But this trilogy doesn't stop there. There is also Black Mass of the Nazi Sex Wizard, or um, the DVD I bought just says VG4, and it says the longer title on the DVD. It's a lot easier and quicker to say VG4, um, for short. And the Angela chapters, I haven't bought that one yet. I apologize. And uh, that's the hard thing about these films. You can't stream them or rent them anywhere. You have to buy the DVD or Blu-ray. And really you should because they come with the special features that make the movies even better. Sometimes you can find them on Amazon. Uh, I found Black Metal Veins on Grindhouse Video. But Black Lava seems to have most of his movies uh, they even have their own warning for the, his films, and it goes like this. <clears throat> Please do not buy this product if you have not checked it out beforehand. This is, very, this is a very controversial and tough art film. It's a mix of fake snuff, fetish, and art. And uh, I guess you can't really say it better than that. Lucifer Valentine also has a short film called A Perfect Child of Satan. I haven't seen it yet, although I did see a short part I think it was a bonus on VG4, uh, The Human Rattlesnake, which is fucked up. And finally, a movie about drug addiction called... Um, no, no I, I just fucked that up. Perfect Child of Satan is like a, uh, a short video of um, what can go wrong dating someone on the internet. Um, and I looked at the bonus features, and it's got... 
two short films on it as well as one of the shorts from um, uh, the Angela chapters. I saw the short from the Angela chapters on my copy of VG4. I hope that made it clear or wake it more confusing. Sorry, Lucifer Valentine, if I'm fucking up information for your future uh, fans while I'm drinking whiskey like an asshole on this podcast. Uh, <clears throat> and of course, there he has a movie about drug addiction called Black Metal Veins. Um, everyone knows me, knows that I hate needles, ironically, because I take two in injections of insulin every day. But every day I fucking hate it both times. And this movie makes me take another journey into something that for me is horror. I could never be an intravenous drug user. I don't even watch when they draw my blood for a blood test and really try to put off blood tests as much as possible because I fucking hate it. I don't even like anyone to touch my veins in the crook of my arm. It drives me fucking nuts. Black Metal Veins is more of a documentary and it really shows the horrors of drug addiction. So, I mean, I, I think this film was made to help people. If you have someone going down that road and they're escalating, um... Make them watch this film. Maybe not a teenager that's smoking weed, they'd probably just laugh at it, but, but you know, an older person with responsibilities that's starting to fuck up a little bit, this film could help them. Uh, and it feels very real. Um, one of the people in the movie dies before even the movie's over. And uh, he talks to parents of some of these people and it, and it fucks you up because it makes you realize, fuck, these people are real and and they have parents. I mean, you're just going to have to watch it. Um, uh, what's my favorite? Probably Regurgitated Sacrifice. I'll do, although I do like all of the movies so far, um, you know, Regurgitated Sacrifice is off the chain. And, you know, Slow Torture Puke Chamber has Hope Likens, and man, her eyes are unreal and haunting. And I didn't even mention the sound design in these. I think Lucifer Valentine is a secret member of uh, Sono, parenthesis, parenthesis, parenthesis. If someone out there knows how to really say that band's fucking name, let me know. But that's how they spell it. Um, some of the music in, in the newer films really sound like that band. And, and the way the sound is put together is amazing. I mean, it, it's all art, visual, sound, everything. Amara LaVey is in all the first movies and uh, first three. And uh, it's interesting to see. I like to watch the first three over and over because she's different from one, two, and three. And uh, it's captivating. Uh, she was killed in a real-life drug deal gone wrong. Uh, rest in peace, Amara LaVey. And I have a book recommendation for you guys, since we're on the topic of too extreme for mainstream. And this probably isn't too extreme for mainstream, but it is my favorite author. I just finished reading the new Stephen King book. Uh, and I'll say, if you don't read Steve because you don't like horror, this may be the book for you. This is a hitman mob kind of book with uh, barely a hint of supernatural. No monsters in this. 
Um, I'm not going to spoil any of the rest of it, uh, but I'll say read this book. Uh, I can see it being a movie for sure, and I hope they do as good of a job as the adaptation of the one they did on that JFK one uh, <clears throat> entitled 112263. Uh, do yourself a favor, whether you love Stephen King or not, read that fucking book. That is a masterpiece, and uh, they did a great job on the adaptation. I think it's on the Hulu. Um, my dad, the OG Mr. Cole, is currently reading this book, and uh, although I'm not spoiling anything here, I hope to go over the book together with him next week. I'm sorry, not next week, ne next episode. I'm shooting for two weeks this time, guys. I'm really gonna try. Um, and there will be a spoiler alert because we're gonna spoil the whole thing because we're gonna fucking talk about it. So you can skip that part if you wanna read it yourself and don't want it to be spoiled because we're totally gonna spoil it. Okay, <clears throat> here is the coolest thing about Flaubert. You and a friend can get a free bottle. With your membership, you get a link that you can share with your friends. When your friend signs up through your link, you both get a free bottle. I will post my link on the Facebook page or hit me on the messenger and I'll send it to you or email me at 84ounces2freedom at gmail.com. That's the numbers 84, the letters OZ, the number 2, the word freedom at gmail.com. Just like it's <coughs> spelled or shown or however you want to say on the uh, our podcast fucking logo. Uh, the bottle I chose was Penelope. It's a four grain straight bourbon whiskey. The grains are corn, rye, wheat, and malted barley. And what drew me to this when I read about it, it talks about how they aged different uh, whiskeys in uh, different types of barrels with different grades of char and then blended them to get the most perfect blend. Um, Penelope is uh, the name of their daughter that they named this whiskey after the people who made this. Um, <clears throat> and the flavor profiles are right on the bottle. Uh, and it says here, aromas of sweet butter cream and fresh apples married with layers of nutmeg and allspice. The palate is a creamy, sweet dance of almonds and vanilla bean that finishes with hints of toasted macadamia nuts and a subtle kiss of tangerine citrus. Wouldn't you like to have the job of figuring that shit out? Um, I don't know, man. Spoiler alert, I've already tried this, but I'm willing to try it again because this is a fucking good whiskey, bourbon, whatever. Oh, it smells great, it tastes great. Uh, this is one of my favorite bottles right here. And uh, in closing today, I want to talk about numbers. And no, <clears throat> I am not talking about a book from the Bible. I found a little info spot on the Anchor app, which you guys, if you want to do a podcast, download Anchor on your fucking phone. It's so easy. Um... They probably don't like me using the word fuck in their advertisement, but whatever, I'm not getting paid for it. I'm doing it because it's the coolest thing I ever did. 
Uh, you literally download the amp. Um, it's real simple to put your logo and stuff on there and just record an episode and publish it. And in a few days, I think within a week, we were on seven, seven different platforms and all the major ones. Um, I didn't have to do anything. It was awesome. So if you want to do this, fucking do it and send me an email and let me know. I will fucking listen. But anyways, um, like everything out there, Anchor is good at doing the numbers. Um, according to Anchor, 3% of our listeners are from Ireland and Canada, 91% from the US, and then less than 1% of our listeners are from Egypt, Germany, Taiwan, UK, and Singapore. Um, this is really cool. Thanks to Anchor, we have people from all around the world listening. Uh, I think I know most of the people in the United States, and I'm pretty sure I know who the people in Canada are. Um, I think you guys have podcasts. And I think I've mentioned you on the show. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. Uh, but I have no idea who the other people from the other countries are. I mean, Singapore, UK, Taiwan, Germany, Egypt. That's fucking cool. Uh, reach out and introduce yourself again. 84 ounces to freedom at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you think. And thank you guys for listening. Another category, also according to Anchor, 8% of our listeners are male, 4% are female, and 7 are non-specified. And we have zero non-binary listeners. I think... Um, I got the numbers wrong here. <laughs> I think it's 80% of our listeners are male, 40% are female, seven are non-specified, and we have zero non-binary listeners, which is weird because I thought we would be big with the non-binary crowd. And uh, I don't think even that adds up to 100%. That's 84, 80 and 40. Oh, that's way more than, maybe it's 84 I don't know, math is hard, guys. Um, I think I fucked that up, but either way, most of our listeners are male. But there are some females listening and some non-specified. The age groups. Now, this is where I found it really interesting. So 45% of our listeners are ages 23 to 27. 29% are ages 18 to 20. 20% are 45 to 59 years old, and 6% are 35 to 44. Um, wow. You know, how old am I? 48, I think. I mean, that means that 75% of our listeners are under the age of 27. I had no idea that our listener base was so young. <clears throat> That's awesome. And, uh, I'm really cool still, even though I'm old, even though Jamie says no. Um, sorry, guys. This is probably boring to you, but it's fascinating to me. And thanks to all of you for listening so much. I really appreciate it. I saw our last episode showed 45 listens. Um, and to some of you out there that have podcasts that get 10,000 listens per episode, I mean, 45 doesn't sound a lot, but... To me, this, this podcast is like my music. It's so underground that underground doesn't even know. There, you know, I've done 
nothing to advertise or anything or push the show. And, and thank you, 45 people from different countries and age groups and uh, sexual whatever. I don't even know the right way to say that anymore and not get in trouble. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you like the show and want to help out, we are on Patreon. Uh, I suck at using the Patreon, but uh, any money donated there, 100%, will go to alcohol. Uh, we're supposed to be able to set up tiers and stuff. I fucked up on the app and it won't let me, and I'm not really sure what to do with tiers anyway. So, um, but we are there. And, uh, you know, check out my YouTube channel. It's where I make homebrew. It's called Mr. Cole's Homebrew. It's on the YouTube. I think there's about 40 episodes now. Um, not so much. There's not any, very many new episodes because the COVID kind of shut down all the competitions. And uh, I've just been uh, brewing here and there for myself. Um, but um, you will hear some of my music there and some of my friends' music on that channel. Uh, as always, it's so underground, the underground doesn't even know. Uh, if you're in Lake County, California, stop by my knife shop where I sell knives and make coin rings at 3577 Main Street, Kelseyville, California. It's where I'm recording to right, recording right now. And uh, reach out on the Gmail. That's 84, the number's 84, the letter's OZ, the number 2, the word freedom.com at gmail.com. Wow, I'm fucking this up. <clears throat> you guys, I'm telling you, these are good whiskeys and they work. Feel free to give me recommendations and let me know what you think of the show. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, uh, please leave um, a review. Five star would be appreciated. Um, but you know, whatever, whatever you think. Um, I only have two five star ratings on there uh, with no concept comments because they're from my kids when I took their phones. So I, I, uh, nothing's happening there. So, uh, do me a favor, leave a comment, good, bad, or indifferent five-star rating or one. I will read it on the next show. Hopefully in two weeks, I'm shooting for every two weeks now, you guys. And, uh, so you got two weeks to say whatever the fuck you want. And you know what? I'll read it on the podcast. That's a promise. Uh, thank you for listening. And in the words of George Thorogood, I drink alone.